0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Mercy, is he not? God of love. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse... Forty-six, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. I didn't rob you of a song, did I? Were you done? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Making sure. If I did, have mercy on me. Like. <laughs> you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy Is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown his strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned her home. It's the word of the Lord and you may be seated. Getting a real bad ring up here. Well, this is the Advent Sunday in which the church traditionally focuses on the joy that Jesus' incarnation brought to the world. How many know that the people of God are to be a people of joy? God desires joy for his people. As a matter of fact, if you look at the words joy, joyfully, joyous, and joyful, if you take those words collectively in the Bible, those words are used 246 times. Beloved, we are to be a people of joy. Because he's a God of joy. I would even go as far as to say that joy is one of the uh, pieces of evidence of our salvation. You know, it baffles me how so many Christians can claim to be saved but look mad about it. Do you ever go into a church, you know, you're singing and you look at the people and man, you're singing about the mercy of God, the love of God and they've got this kind of crazy, somber look on their face. Friends, we ought to be people who smile and people full of joy. We just studied a few weeks ago. We're going um, through the book of Matthew right now. We were in chapter 13 looking at the parables of the kingdom that Jesus gives. And I love the parable of the hidden treasure where this man comes upon an invaluable treasure in a field. And the Bible says that he goes away and the the field represents the kingdom of God. The man goes away and he sells all that he has. And the Bible says he does it joyfully that he might obtain the treasure. Which tells me that if the kingdom of God, if 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 we lose everything in this world, but we have the kingdom, we ought to still be a people of joy. Yeah. Because Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world. He's supreme. Amen. In his value and his beauty and his wonder, so on and so forth. You you could say that joy is the difference between religion and true salvation. See, the religious can believe in the facts of the gospel just like the demons do, James says, right? But they don't have the joy of the Lord because the facts of the gospel will not change your heart. It's only regeneration, a spiritual rebirth that will change our heart, amen? Amen. We're to be people of joy. And do you know that our joy, it does two things besides help us it actually glorifies the Lord when we are a joyous people think about your kids for a moment if they mope around all the time or you know you get them a Christmas gift and they're just uh, whatever you know because kids can be entitled these days how does that make you feel as a parent when you walk in the, you know, in the home, you've been at work all day and you walk in and that, that child runs to you and embraces you and is full of joy at your presence. Oh, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? And it glorifies God when we are a joyous people. But not only that, do you know it's a witness to a dark and joyless world when we're people of joy? But here's the reality. It's difficult to walk in Christian joy in days like these, is it not? I mean, we feel beat up from every side. Everywhere we look, there's darkness and wickedness and disappointment. There's an old familiar Christmas song that says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And you know, for many people, those words ring true. But I'm mindful today that for some, this season... Seems to accentuate pain or loss or disappointment, suffering. This year, our world is mourned again over violence, senseless violence, disease, war, inflation, job loss, disasters, uh, natural disasters, political um, craziness. (laughs) many other things. And so, I would just ask you, where's the Christmas joy in this? Where's the Christian joy in this? Let me say this. I don't think that Christian joy means that we have to necessarily go around being like chipper and bubbly all the time. Though I do think generally we should be a happy people. Um, But joy that the Bible talks about is, is much deeper than that. See, it's It's an inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that no matter what we're going through, all that's going on in the world around us, we just truly believe, we don't just quote this, but we really believe what Romans says and that God is doing, he is working all things together for our good and for his glory. If you really believe that, then then, then your joy can't be taken from you because here's what happens. If your joy is found in a relationship... If your joy is found in, in you know, material possessions, if your joy is found in your job, if, that is, if those things are, or many other worldly things are your sources of joy, those things change. Those things are not stable. But if your joy is grounded in the love of Jesus Christ, your joy is unshakable. The world can't take it from you. The devil can't take it from you. No circumstance can take it from you. And that frustrates people who don't like you. You know when, when somebody works makes fun of your faith and they don't like the fact that you're a Christian and they're always nagging you. you know the greatest thing you can do don't 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 let them get to you don't uh, you, you know turn the other cheek, so to speak, all right don't retaliate. you just go on being joyous, and man, that'll frustrate the people who don't like you, right We're to be a joy filled people because. That joy is grounded in the Lord. Do you believe that? In the epistles over and over, we see the apostles encouraging the people, the church, the first century Christians to be a people of joy, which tells me this we aren't the first generation to struggle um, with this walking in joy. Isn't that encouraging? Not the only Christians to struggle with this. So in our text today in Luke 1, the angel Gabriel has visited Mary, delivering the news that, she's a vir- uh, that that she, a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, will bear a son, and his name will be called Son of the Most High. And then in verse 38, Mary says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that ought to be our answer to the Lord every time, right? He asks us to do something. Let it be to me according to your word. So today I'm going to unpack Mary's Magnificat, or you you might call it the Song of Mary, because I think we can learn from Mary in this area of joy. There are two extremes when it comes to Mary. Some magnify her, right, to this unhealthy extreme, putting her on the level, or some even above, Jesus Christ. Others, on the opposite end of the spectrum. What do they do? They, they fail to acknowledge her at all. And I think the balance is somewhere in the middle. She's certainly not to be worshipped. We don't pray to Mary. We don't worship Mary. But I do think we should honor her. And I think that we can learn from her because Mary went through some very difficult things, but she expressed heartfelt joy in the midst of those circumstances. I'm just struck by her sense of joy, though her life certainly wasn't perfect now you may argue today that of course she was joyful man she just found out she's going to have a baby that'd be bittersweet news wouldn't it on one hand yeah I mean children are a blessing from the Lord amen but Mary's there in the first century and you don't sleep around outside of marriage she's betrothed to Joseph but the marriage has not yet been consummated Mary's a teenage girl, a young teenage girl. Now, you imagine explaining that one to your family, to your partner, to your friends, to your church. Oh, don't worry, it's of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Mary. I wonder how many people have tried to use that through the years, right? She's certain, friends, seriously, to be misunderstood, talked about. So why so joyful? Well, I see in this text three characteristics in Mary's life, characteristics that surely contribute to her joy. And I think these are traits that you and I must emulate if we are going to walk in Christian joy. So number one is this. If we're going to walk in Christian joy, we've got to be obedient to God. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And what's so interesting here is that Mary, with all these questions likely running through her mind, has no idea how this is all going to work out. She doesn't ask the angel, she doesn't ask the Lord, explain everything to me. She just says, let it be to me according to your word. She just trusts the Lord and there is great joy, friends, when we obey the Lord John 15 9 Matthew quoted this earlier um, Jesus says as the father has loved me so have I loved you is anybody grateful for that today he says abide in my love if well, get this if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love now listen Jesus says so he said keep my commandments These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You wonder why some Christians don't walk around in joy? Because they're not walking in obedience. Think about your children. How many of you ever said, if you would just obey mom and dad, your life would be so much better. You'd have so much more joy. Beloved, we need to listen to our own words. Because if you and I would walk in obedience, we would have so much more joy. I had someone sitting in my office not too many months ago, just a few months ago, making a decision clearly against the Word of God and says, I don't understand why I feel so far from the Lord right now. There's your sign. Obedience is tough, isn't it, sometimes? The Lord asks us to do things that are countercultural, that things that we don't want to do, but there's no joy outside of obedience to God, because disobedience is a sin, obviously. James four seventeen, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it's a sin. There's sins of commission, there's sins of omission, prayerlessness will rob you of joy. But beyond it being a sin, you know, disobedience really reveals a lack of trust in God. Simply put, don't we all, I mean, if we're sane, we want the best for ourselves, do we not? We want the best for ourselves. So when we disobey God, you know what we're really saying? God, I know what's better for my life. I know more than you do. Lord, I, I mean, you got some good advice, but, but I really can work this out for myself. Think about it. Disobedience is distrust. I love Mary's willingness to submit to the will of God. Put her dreams on hold to be used by God for a greater purpose. It reminds me of the great hymn, Trust and Obey. You remember that one? Trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You don't hear too many of these new songs about obedience, do you? (laughs) So number one, you want to walk in joy, walk in obedience to God. But secondly, Mary here, she has joy because not only does she obey God, but she maintains an accurate view of God. (laughs) So you've got got to obey him, but you've got to to maintain an accurate view of God. Um, You know you are joyful when you burst into song. As a kid, I've told you this before, but I would get in trouble at the dinner table because I would start humming or singing while I'm eating because my mama's cooking was so good, right? Well, Luke 1, 46 through 55 is known as the Magnificat or the Song of Mary. So when visiting her relative Elizabeth, she becomes so overwhelmed with joy as she considers the goodness of God that she just burst in the song. It's a good thing to sing like we did this morning, Right? We shouldn't have to pull the music out of you. If you're thinking about God, you ought to burst into song. We do something, uh, we we changed it today, Joey, but normally we we do something pretty radical here. We have started doing the music before the preaching because as our, we we thought, you know what, think about it. If we come in and we hear God's word, what do we say? After, sorry, we do the music after the preaching. So, thanks for correcting me, guys. <laughs> I guess we're comfortable with one another. <laughs> so, so, normally, yeah, we do the music after, but, but what we do is we, we thought, you know what? What would it... We just tried this out. We said, what would it be like if we came in and we just opened with the Word of God and as our view... view you know, we were reminded of how good and awesome and amazing God is. Maybe, just maybe that would overflow into song. And it was unbelievable what happened. And so we were going to do this for just a few weeks and we have continued in that trajectory. And so I just think, listen, you don't have to, to be able to sing like Joey to sing. I would I love joey 's voice, but i 'd say in the in the heavenly realm god 's got angels that, that that blow he and any other singer on this earth away. What God wants is a joyful noise, a joyful noise so So what happens is when we hear the Word of God, when we talk about God, listen, we all ought to be singers. I know some of you don 't think it 's manly to sing, listen, yes, sir, it is. <laughs> You ought to lead your family in song. Why? Because you know who God is. Let's look at Mary's song real quick. Mary's song's God centered. Her aim's to glorify God, not herself. You want to rob yourself of glory or, or of joy? Go about making everything about you. She says in verse 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Her joy is God-centered. In 2 Timothy 3.2, Paul says that in the last days, people will be lovers of what? Themselves. Are we not seeing this unfold before our eyes? The days in which we're living, there's nothing more miserable than being self-seeking, self-indulging, narcissistic. Is it any wonder so many people are miserable? consider Mary's understanding of God number one she sees God as omnipotent or all powerful verse 49 for he who is mighty has done great things for me why can you trust the Lord because he's all powerful not only does she see him as all powerful she sees him as holy she says in verse 49 holy is his name Mary knows that God is perfect in all of His ways. He is holy. He is set apart. And He's not set apart, as R.C. Sproul said, like a table is set apart from a chair. No, He transcends His creation. He is set apart from us in a way. His ways are higher than our ways. How many know that? His thoughts above our thoughts. Mary sees Him as omnipotent, all-powerful. She sees Him as holy, and she sees Him as merciful, We sing about his mercy, and and the thing is, is that mercy is not for everyone, but Mary says here, his mercy is for those who fear him. It's for those who fear him. He shows compassion. Aren't you grateful on those who deserve otherwise? I love this Psalm 10310. This ought to make you shout for joy today. The psalmist says, he has not dealt with me according to my sins. (laughs) I'm just going to read it again. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Oh, we ought to be a people of joy. It's not reason to sing, I don't know what is. Mary sees God as a rescuer. Fifty-two, Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich has, he's sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham as to and to his offspring forever. Mary sees God as a rescuer of herself and of her people. Has he rescued anybody in this place? Friends, if we would just keep an accurate view of God, we would be a people of joy. We wouldn't be so despondent. We wouldn't be so worried about what we see on the news. Because we know we've got a God who is greater than all of those things. Amen? Amen. How many know nothing can thwart his plan? No president, no dictator, no politician, no no one, no thing can thwart the plans of God. So Mary maintains an accurate view of God, and if we're going to walk in joy, we've got to do this. And finally, not only does she maintain an accurate view of God, but she maintains an accurate view of self. (laughs) Reality check this morning for all of us. You know, so many people come to God not because they necessarily want Him, but because they want His help. There's certain parts of their lives, Lord, like it's like you leave this part of my life alone. But Lord, if you could just fix this relationship, or if you just help me get this promotion, or, you know, let me win the lottery, or whatever, right? In other words, you know what people are doing? Hear me. They're looking for God to be their servant. They're looking for God to be their servant. There's a popular teaching that you're here on television where you're the God, you're the one on the throne and you just, you just speak the things in enough faith and God is at your beck and call. He becomes your cosmic bellhop. It's interesting here though that, that Mary does not see herself as somebody deserving of God's goodness, his favor, his blessing. Look at verse 38. What does she see herself as? Mary said, Behold, I'm what? What? A servant of the Lord. In verse 48, he's looked it on, upon the humble estate of his what? Servant. Mary does not have a high view of self, which is why the Lord can use her. She sees herself as a humble servant, blessed by God's unmerited favor. You know, one of the things I, I appreciate about, about Joey and, and Master's Voice as well, you know, there, there's some, some groups that come in, and, and you've probably sang with some of these guys, and they are divas, right? They, they, I mean, you've got to have a certain brand of water. You've you got to roll out the red carpet. Um, they, they need so much. You know, they're Christian singers, and it's like, man, <laughs> they, they have such a high view of self. And I appreciate, Joey, I'm saying, man, what's it going to cost to bring you? Oh, man, whatever you guys can do, I'm not worried about it. Joey, what do you need? Oh, nothing. Friends, we ought to keep a humble view of ourselves. I'm up here. Joey's a pastor. Ben's a pastor. Hunter's a pastor. Why? Not because we deserve it. We are who we are, as Paul said, by the grace of God. Unmerited favor. Mary sees herself in need of a Savior. (laughs) Mary says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. Isn't that interesting? That messes some people's theology up, doesn't it? Mary sees herself as someone imperfect in need of a Savior. I don't think, I I don't suspect that a non-sinner would say they need a Savior. This refutes the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. Some believe that Mary was exempt from original sin. The Bible makes no room for this. For all have sinned. How many have sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mary is chosen again by unmerited favor. She maintains an accurate view of God and an accurate view of self. So, Tim Keller tells the story of a lady who had a profound impact on his life in the 70s, and she spoke at a camp in Colorado, and here's what she said. Listen to this. If the distance between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles, by the way, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper. All right, I'm going to start that again. I know it's early, but but track with me here. If the distance between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles, was reduced... To the thickness of a sheet of paper, then the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. And the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of uh, paper 310 miles high. That's how big the galaxy is. And yet the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust virtually in the whole universe. Now think about this. The Bible says that Christ holds this universe together with the power of his word. And she asked the question, is this the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? (laughs) Think of it. I must not have moved you like it moved me, but it's, it's rather funny to me. Because so many Christians that I meet with, that's what they're looking for. That powerful, mighty God, the one that holds the universe together by the power of his word. Lord, come and just be my co-pilot, right, as the old bumper sticker said. So part of the reason we don't experience joy is because we often have a too low view of God, too low of a view of God, too high of a view of self. To experience joy this Christmas, come on. Up. To experience joy this Christmas, listen. Three things that we learned from Mary: we've got to obey the Lord, we've got to remember who God is, and we've got to remember who we are. Boast only in the cross, Amen. So, as Joey plays, I'm—I've read this these, this list a few times, but. I want to wake you up a little bit this morning. The Bible gives those who are in Christ great reason for joy despite any circumstance. I want joy to arise in this place like heartfelt joy as I remind us of who we are and what we have in Jesus. Is it right if I remind us of that today? These statements, I, I don't know who put this together. I've had it for years. It's on my blog, on the church site if you want to see it, but these statements that I'm about to share all come directly from the Bible. I'm not going to read every reference. Are you ready? Here's who you are in Christ. Here's why you ought to have joy. My salvation is fully accomplished, and you just put yourself in these, all right? My salvation's fully accomplished. I pass from death unto life. I've been quickened by God. I've been made fit for heaven. I have the forgiveness of sins. I'm made nigh by the blood of Christ. I'm redeemed through his blood. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I've been delivered from the wrath to come. I'm a child of God, a son of God. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I possess all things. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been renewed by the Holy Spirit. I'm accepted ex- and highly favored in the beloved I am light in the Lord I dwell in Christ Christ dwells in me these are all right from the scriptures folks my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost I have an anointing an unction from the Holy One I've been called with a holy calling I am chosen in Christ I'm complete in Christ I'm beloved of God I'm a child of promise amen it keeps going I'm a sheep of his flock, a member of his body, a stone in his building, a branch in his vine. I'm a child of the kingdom. I was identified with Christ in his death. I was identified with Christ in his resurrection. I can walk in the newness of life. I can serve in the newness of spirit. I can live unto righteousness. I am identified with Christ in his suffering. And hallelujah, I'm being perfected. I'm not of the world. I'm sanctified in Jesus Christ. I'm holy. I'm clothed in righteousness faultless in Christ. I'm perfected forever. I'm not my own. I am a citizen of heaven. Philippians three twenty. Christ has made me free. Free indeed. Hallelujah. I'm free from sin. I have a sound mind. Christ has given me an understanding. 1 John five twenty. I have the righteousness of Christ. I have sufficiency in all things. 2 Corinthians 9 8. I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I have all the armors and weapon I need. I have God's all-sufficient grace. I have grace in time of need. I have God's power. I have access to the Father. I have a great high priest. I have an unfailing intercessor. I have a righteous advocate with the Father for times when I sin. I have peace with God. I have rest for my soul. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm enabled during trials and temptations. I'm given assurance by the Spirit. I'm given comfort by God. I'm not distressed, 2 Corinthians 4.8. I'm not in despair, 2 Corinthians 4.8. I'm not forsaken, 2 Corinthians 4.9. I'm not in darkness. (laughs) God is my sufficiency, 2 Corinthians 3.5. God is my strength. He's my helper. I belong to the sovereign God who works all things together for my good. My God is for me, Romans 8.31. My every need is supplied, Philippians 4.19. I'm his workmanship. I'm sealed by God. I'm kept by the power of God. I'm more than a conqueror, a super conqueror, Romans 8.37. I have victory through Christ. I've overcome the world, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Satan cannot touch me, 1 John five eighteen. I have a living hope, 1 Peter 1, 3. I have a glorious future. I've been given eternal encouragement and good hope through grace, 2 Thessalonians two 16. I'll sit with Christ in his throne, and I will be with my God forever on the new heavens and new earth. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Christ, John, fifteen, eleven. These things I've spoken to you, that your joy, my joy, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Oh, would it be a people of joy? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org.